If you have your Bibles with you this morning, would you open them, please, to the Gospel of Matthew, the first Gospel, and the first chapter of the first Gospel. And in just a moment, we're going to begin reading with verse 18, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Today is a continuation of a message that I began last week. Now, if you didn't hear last week's message, you don't have to be disappointed because this is fresh, it's new, they don't necessarily tie together. But this message is entitled, A Giving God, Part 2. Part 2. Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to read together verse 18 and 19, but we'll be looking at all the verses that remain as well in Matthew chapter 1. Now Matthew writes, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on the way, when as his mother Mary was engaged to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, a righteous man, a man of compassion, not willing to humiliate Mary in a public way, was thinking about how to end their engagement secretly, how to put her away privately. Last week we saw that our God is a giving God. And he gave to Mary some Christmas gifts that first Christmas that would forever change her life and ours too. Well, today we're going to see that God is also a giving God to Joseph. And he's going to give Joseph a gift that will forever change Joseph's life and change all life after Joseph forever. God is a God of gifts. Now, I was reading an article about gift-giving for Christmas, gift-giving for the holiday season. And the writer of this article was telling husbands what not to buy for their wives for Christmas and telling wives not what to buy for their husbands for Christmas. So I thought it might be good if I shared that with you because you know Christmas is two weeks away. And some of you haven't bought anything. You might be looking for some guidance from your pastor. So I'm going to help you out just a little bit, okay? So wives, according to this expert, this person in the know, according to that article, do not buy for your husband. Scratch it off the list right now. Do not buy for your husband tickets to a ballet. Okay? Don't, don't do that. Do not buy for your husband bath and body work soap dishes. It might excite you, but it does nothing for him. Wives, do not buy for your husbands no matter what price you get it at, a weekend seminar to getting in touch with your feelings. <laughs> Wouldn't go over. Wives, do not buy for your husbands knickknacks and whatnots. 
You know, those little things that you put up on shelves. You say, but they're cute and adorable. Buy them for yourself. Don't buy them for him. And then lastly, it said, do not buy for your husband a DVD of Property Brothers with extra behind-the-scenes footage. <laughs> Does not impress him. Okay, now you, you wives got that? Shake your head, wives. Okay. Now, husbands, you've got to buy for your wives. Some of you haven't given any thought. Some of you are going to wait to Christmas Eve, 8 o'clock at night, to kind of do something. Well, to help cut down the options you'll have and make your successful, uh, your shopping more successful, according to the expert, according to the article, husbands, do not buy for your wife this Christmas a table saw. <laughs> do not buy her a table saw. Secondly, do not buy for her a satellite dish of all the NFL games. Do not buy for her a DVD set of all the Rambo movies. Not interested. Do not buy for her a gift card to the military surplus store. And lastly, whether it be regular or synthetic, do not buy for her a case of oil. All right, y'all got that? Now, I'm observing some of you when I was saying this, and you were turning colors. Some of you were turning a very sickish green as you're sitting out there. Maybe you've already bought these gifts for your loved one. I'm telling you now, it's still time to take them back. Because if you don't take them back, help me, they will take them back. Okay? Now, I say all that again to say this. Our God is a giving God. And he knows exactly what to give us at Christmas. He knows exactly what to give us of every season of our life. And today we're going to see he knew exactly where Joseph was at that first Christmas. And he gives Joseph a gift, as I said earlier. That's going to forever change Joseph's life. Now when you think about Joseph, you often think about a man that is forgotten, for the most part, in the Christmas narrative. He seems to get lost in the drama. I mean, just about every Christmas story, every Christmas narrative, every Christmas song is either about Jesus, who it should be, and Mary, his mother. You very seldom hear about Joseph. You very seldom see Joseph. You, you very seldom have any interaction or experience with Joseph. You know, Joseph just kind of, he's a B actor. He stands off in the background and in the shadows. He has his hands kind of crossed. He's kind of pushed off the main stage. Do you know that Joseph has nothing to say in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John in, in talking about the Christmas story? Not only does he get lost in the shuffle, not only does he get pushed back into the shadows, but he doesn't even have a line to say. Not one single word does Joseph ever say that we have in the Bible Christmas narrative. I heard about a little boy who was 
asked to be Joseph in the Christmas play at his school. And he was all excited about it, but the night before the play, he got sick, got the flu. He said, Mom, I don't know that I'm going to be able to be part of that play. You better call my teacher. And then he thought about it, he meant it, and he said, Mom, you don't need to call her. (laughs) I didn't have anything to say anyway. (laughs) I didn't have anything to do anyway. I just kind of stood there. They don't need to take my, nobody to take my place to do that. And you know, that's kind of the way it's like with Joseph. If he was missing from the narrative, who would ever know? Who would ever maybe even care? Well, I want us to look at Joseph this morning. And I want us to see from Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 25, some things that I think are very interesting about him. Now, I'm going to remind you, pay attention to your pastor. Put yourself where Joseph is at. You see, we have the blessing and the benefit of looking back at all of this. Hindsight's always 20-20, isn't it? But as we did with Mary, I want you men to think about only what you know that I'm going to tell you right now. You don't know the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say. You don't have the benefit of looking back and seeing all the chapters. All you know is what I'm about to tell you right now. Let's begin with Joseph's disappointment in verse 18 and 19. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on the way, when as his mother Mary was engaged to Joseph, before they came together sexually. She was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, her fiancé, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, had made a decision to put her away secretly or privately. Men, Joseph has found the love of his life. He has found the woman that he wants to marry and spend the rest of his life with. Mary is everything that Joseph has ever wanted in a woman and in a wife. She is beautiful. When he looks at her, he just melts like a popsicle in the hot sun. She's beautiful. She's not only beautiful, but she's sweet. She's just charming, she's she's polite, she's mannered, she's smart. The girl has a good head on her shoulders. And she's modest and she's righteous in the way that she lives before men and before God. I mean, when Joseph looks at Mary, she's the total package. She's his perfect ten, not Bo Derek. Joseph loves Mary, and that's going to be his wife, that's going to be the mother of his children, that's going to be the lady he's going to spend the rest of his life with. They're engaged to be married. She is going to be his. Joseph is at a place in his life right now where he's high, wide, and handsome as he's walking down the streets of life. 
I mean, he's got he's on top of the hill, ladies and gentlemen. But then all of a sudden, things change. If you live life long enough, you know that things can change very quickly. You can go from health to sickness, from prosperity to poverty. You can go from health to sickness. You can go from living to dying. You can go from a happy marriage to a bad marriage to no marriage. Things can happen very quickly. And things are going to happen very quickly for Joseph. He's going to be brought to his knees. And his world is going to come crashing down. Guess what happens? He gets six words. Just six words are going to bring this man to his knees in his world, collapsing upon him. Mary is pregnant with child. Mary is pregnant with child. With a child. Now think about where he's at. This is the woman that he loves. This is the woman he's engaged to. This is the woman he's going to marry. Up to this time, all they've done is hold hands. An occasional hug around the neck. There's been no kissing. They didn't do that in that day before marriage. There's certainly been no physical intimacy. They just certainly didn't do that before marriage. That was taboo. It ought to be taboo a little bit today. And all of a sudden, he gets news that his fiance is bearing child. She's pregnant. I don't know where the news came from. Maybe Mary told him. Maybe the whispers on the street came to him. Maybe the gossips out there who are always looking for something negative spoke to him. I don't know how he found out, but he found out. Can you imagine what he's thinking, men? Who's the father? I've never seen her with anybody else. She's told me I'm the only one. When did she have time to be with another man? Who's the father of this Baby she's carrying. Why did Mary cheat on me? I've been good to her. I've been polite. I've been mannered. I've been saving for our future. I've given her all that I could ever give any woman. Why would she choose to go out and cheat on me? I, I don't understand this. When did this happen? We're together so much. When did she find time to be with another man and to do something that's morally wrong? Can you hear all the questions he's asking? What am I going to do? I'm a laughing stock. People are talking about how stupid I am. What am I going to do? You see, these are the questions that are going through Joseph's mind, just like they would go through gentlemen our minds if we got word that our fiancé is pregnant with child and we have never been with her. 
Well, Joseph in that day only had two options. Only two options. Option number one was to make the matter public. It was already public, perhaps, in small circles. But Joseph had the option now of making it public for everybody to know. Now, he realized when he did that, that Mary would be, be, would be called before the authorities. She would be put on trial, and she would be found guilty of fornication outside of marriage. And there was a law in that day that said if a woman was caught and convicted of fornication, she was stoned to death. So Joseph had the option. He could go public. He could air the dirty laundry for all to see and hear. He could put Mary through a humiliating, shameful public trial that would lead to her death. He could have done that. Or he could keep the matter private. He could quietly break off the engagement. He could secretly send her out of town to live with relatives. He could make the whole thing just disappear. He could end the engagement and send her away. What would you do, gentlemen? Well, the Bible says in verse 19 that Joseph was a he was a just man. That word just has a lot of interesting nuances. It means he was a good man. It means he was a kind man. It means he was a caring man. It means he was a righteous man. But also it comes from a word that also can mean he was a compassionate man. If Mary indeed has been with another man, as it appears, because she's pregnant with child, Though Joseph's heart is broken, though his world has been turned upside down, though his future has been ruined, he's not going to be wild, he's not going to be crazy, he's not going to be vengeful, he's not going to be vindictive, he's not going to seek to pay her back. Joseph makes the choice out of compassion, out of grace and mercy, that he'll just quietly end the engagement. He will privately send her away to live with relatives while she's pregnant until the baby's born. That's what he chooses to do. I call it taking the high road against somebody who deserves no grace and no mercy, yet he shows it. You see, there will come a time in every one of our lives when somebody's going to hurt us. Somebody's going to wound us. Somebody's going to cause us pain. Somebody's going to do us wrong. And what you know what the flesh says to do? To pay them back. For my ounce of pain, I'm going to take a pound of revenge. I'm going to make you pay for what you did to me. I call that taking the low road, and anybody can take the low road, and most do. 
Joseph because of the kind of man he was, the character, the integrity that he had. He said, I'm not going to bring Mary any more shame or humiliation. I'm certainly not going to take the chance that she'll be put to death. I love her, though she has hurt me deeply. I'm just going to end the engagement and send her away. And that's what he's planning to do. Tomorrow, that's what he's going to do. But something's going to happen between this moment and tomorrow. We go from Joseph's disappointment to Joseph's discovery in verse 20 through 23. Now follow what's going to happen. This is interesting. While Joseph thought on these things, what things is he thinking about? What am I going to do? While Joseph has now made a decision that he will carry out the next day, while he is asleep, he gets a visit, in verse 20, from an angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord, who may have been Gabriel, may not have been Gabriel, we don't know. But nevertheless, the angel of the Lord speaks to Joseph in a dream. The angel says, Joseph, thou son of David, do not fear to take Mary to be your wife. For that which she has conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit of God. And she shall bring forth the Son. And you're going to call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now all of this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child. And she shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being translated is God with us. Joseph has cried. His heart has been broken. His heart has been ripped out. His world has been crashed down on him. He's nothing but bits and pieces like Humpty Dumpty scattered all over the road of life. He makes a high road decision. I'm not going to hurt Mary. I'm not going to pay her back. I'm just going to end the engagement. I'm going to send her away. Tomorrow, I will deal with it. I'm going to bed tonight. And so with tears on his cheeks and tears on his pillow, he goes to sleep. And in his sleep, he is visited by an angel of the Lord. Sometimes God speaks through dreams, particularly in that day. And God speaks to Joseph by way of an angel in a dream. The angel tells Joseph some interesting news. The angel says to Joseph three things to help him have better understanding of what is unfolded. Now I want you to understand when Mary was told by the angel that she was, had, was going to conceive and have a baby, she didn't understand how God could do that. And Joseph is going to be told that this conception that Mary has had, the pregnancy that is going to come forth, the baby that's going to be born, it's going to be of God. Now, see, we sit here and we say, well, we know that. <laughs> Did you know it then? You were back in that day? 
I don't think Mary comprehended it all. I know Joseph did. I mean, after all, what woman conceives and gets pregnant without ever having been with the human man? It's absolutely impossible. At least that's what they thought. That's why the angel constantly has to say to men, what's impossible for man is possible with God. What you think's a big deal <laughs> ain't no big deal. God can do whatever He wants to do. He's not bound by any laws, by any rules, by any restrictions, by any limitations. God can step out of His box anytime He wants and do whatever He wants. And that's what He does here. Now the angel speaking to Joseph tells him three little tidbits that are interesting. First of all, he says to Joseph, I want you to know, Joseph, that God keeps His word. Prophecy has been fulfilled today. Notice in verse 23, the prophet of old said, Behold, the virgin shall be born with the child and shall bring forth the son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Do you know who wrote that? The prophet Isaiah wrote that. You know when he wrote it? 800 years before this event. 800 years, the prophet Isaiah said to the people of his day, one day God is going to visit himself upon a virgin. She will conceive. She will become pregnant with a child. And that child shall be God himself, Emmanuel. 800 years have passed. And people had already forgotten what God said. People thought that maybe God was just talking off the top of his head. This wasn't going to happen. <laughs> no. When God makes a promise, he keeps it. God is a God of his word. When he says, I'm going to do something, he does it. It may not be on our timetable. It may not be on our schedule. But he does it. And the prophet Isaiah's prophecy has now come to pass. The Messiah is going to enter the world through a virgin who will be supernaturally impregnated with a son whose name will be Jesus. The second thing the angel says to Joseph is not only does God keep his promises but God will often use people to fulfill those promises. God is going to use Mary and Joseph to be the human vehicles by which the promise he's made is going to come to pass. Now listen to me. God can do things supernaturally. He also can do things naturally. God can work outside the norm or God can work inside the norm. God is going to do both here. God impregnates Mary supernaturally. And now he's going to let a natural process unfold. And he's going to use Mary and Joseph as the vehicles to do it. Mary will carry Jesus. She'll carry him for nine months. And he will grow in her womb as any normal baby would be. And he will enter the world as any normal baby would enter the world. 
God is going to use Mary to be the vehicle to birth Jesus into the world. And God is going to use Joseph to be the stepfather who will provide and protect Mary and little Jesus during this time. You say, well, Pastor, God could have used angels to do it. He could have. He could have done it himself. He could have. But oftentimes, God will allow us to participate with him and what he's doing. And he chose Joseph and he chose Mary. And he still chooses people today. Whenever he wants to do something, sometimes he will speak to his people and say, you're going to be the one that I choose to do it. And that's what he did with Joseph and Mary. God keeps his word, and God sometimes uses people to keep that word for him. And then he said something else that's interesting to Joseph. He said, this one that is going to come, this one that I'm going to name, you're not going to name him, I'm naming him, his name will be Jesus. He's coming for a purpose, he's coming for a reason, Joseph. He's coming to save the world from its sins. He is going to come from the trump towers of heaven to the ghetto of this world. He's going to leave glory to come to the gore. He's going to leave prosperity to come to poverty. God is going to become a man. He's going to become like us. He's going to live with us that he could understand us and that one day he can die for us. And in doing us that, save us from our sin and a devil's hell. You grasp that? God would do all of that for you. He'd do all of that for me. He'd do all of that for all of us who could have cared less. But he cared. Many years ago, there was a documentary on TV about a lady by the name of Diane Fossey. Diane Fossey was a lady who was interested in preserving certain species of animal life that were on the verge of extinction. She had a particular love for the mountain gorillas. The mountain gorillas lived primarily in the Congo of Africa. There used to be tens of thousands of those gorillas, but poachers decided that there was money to be made in their hides. There was money to be made in certain parts of their bodies. And so poachers went into the Congo and began to slaughter the mountain gorillas by the hundreds and by the thousands. Some years ago, it looked like the mountain gorillas were going to be extinct within one more generation. The slaughter was immense. Well, Diane Fossey, burdened by this, went to the Congo. She went to Africa, and she began to do a study, an academic study of the mountain gorillas. But she realized that watching them from a distance was not the best way to learn about them. It wasn't the best way that she might be able to protect them and preserve them. 
So Diane Fossey made a choice. She said, I'm going to leave the academic study of the mountain gorillas and I'm going to go and live with them. Through a process of that took a long time, she began to acclimate herself to becoming a gorilla. She started living with them. They accepted her into their families. She started eating what they eat. She started sleeping where they slept. She started communicating as they communicated. She started acting like they act. She showed submission to the the male gorillas, and she helped out with raising of the children gorillas, you might say. She became one of them that she could understand them, that she could save them. I wish I could tell you that her story had a happy ending. She was murdered by the poachers. As they murdered the gorillas, they just went ahead and murdered her too. Her body was found, chopped into pieces. Her killers were never found. She died, she died to save the gorillas that she became like. She gave her life that they might be able to continue as a species. When you think about it, isn't that what Jesus did? He saw that we were headed to extinction because we were sinners. We were on our way to a devil's hell. There's not an animal that could ever help us. The only one who could help us would had to be somebody who was like us. So Jesus, who was God, became Jesus, man. He lived with us. He ate with us. He slept with us. He acted with us. He interacted with us. That one day he could die for us that we could be preserved in a place called heaven forever one day. Joseph made that discovery that night. So he got up the next day, and what did he do? Well, this has been interesting 24 hours for Joseph, hasn't it? He's went from disappointment to his whole world crashing down to a discovery God was in all of this. And he closes in verse 24 and 25 with what I believe is a dedication. Then Joseph being raised from his sleep, in other words, he woke up. (laughs) He did as the angel of the Lord had told him. Don't miss that. He did as the angel of the Lord had told him. And he took Mary to be his wife. And he did not know her physically or sexually until she brought forth her firstborn son. And he was called, as the angel said, Jesus. Wow. 
I wonder why Joseph is such a great man, though he says very little, though he hides in the shadows, though he's pretty much forgotten by most people. I, I wonder why he comes across as a great man as we read his story. He chose the high road, not the low road. He listened to what God had to say through a visitation of an angel. And now he's going to act on what God told him to do. I wonder what made him a great man. You say, well, Pastor, he was great because he was a scholar. No, he wasn't. He was a scientist. No, he wasn't. He was a banker. He was a lawyer. He was a politician. He was a general. No, he wasn't any of that. He was a carpenter. You say, well, he, he was probably a theologian then. He was probably a pastor or a priest or a rabbi or an evangelist. No, he wasn't. He was just a common, ordinary man who studied the Word of God and loved the God who wrote the Word. You see, sometimes we think that only God can use people who wear capes and have big S's on their chest or have a ring that shoots out green light or have a lasso that we can throw around somebody and they have to tell the truth or we have a utility belt with a boomerang that we can throw and hit somebody in the head with. You see, that's what we think of Bible people. They're just people that are far beyond anything we could ever be. I'm telling you, they're not. They're just like us. They put their pants on one leg at a time. They had their warts. They had their weaknesses. They have their wickednesses. They fail God so many times. They battle with, struggle with faith. But you know something? They just keep serving God. So God speaks to Joseph and he says, listen, I want you to marry that girl. I want you to take care of her and take care of the baby that's coming. They're going to need a husband and they're going to need a father and you're going to be both. Yes, you're going to get criticized. Yes, people are going to gossip about you. Yes, people are going to say what a foolish man you are to marry a girl who's carrying somebody else's baby. Joseph, don't worry about it. Just do what I tell you to do. And you know, Joseph does. The Bible says, it's just in a simple sentence, he did as the angel of the Lord told him. No argument, no complaining, no whining, no hesitation, no reservation, no explanation. He just did it. You want to be great for God? Just listen to what God says to you to do and do it. That's simple, isn't it? We always want some new book. We always want some new seminar. We always want some new revelation that we can be spiritual big shots. Listen. Just listen to what God says and do it. And you will be a big shot. That's what Joseph does. What gift did God give Joseph that first Christmas? He gave him the gift of revelation. Joseph, this is who I am. I am a promise-keeping, miracle-working God. And Joseph, this is what I can do. I can do anything I want to do. That was what he gave Joseph that day. 
revelation of who he is and what he can do. And I wonder this Christmas if that's not what God might want to give some of us. A fresh glimpse, a fresh awareness, a fresh revelation of who he is. He's a God who makes promises and he keeps them. And he's a God who can do miracles to keep them if he wants to. He's a God who uses you and me to do those miracles sometimes, to keep his promises. That's what he's saying to you and I. And what was Joseph's gift back to God? Yes, sir, reporting for duty. As Keith so well said through the song and through his words, all God wants is our life for Christmas. He just wants our life. And that's the very thing that we don't want to give him. We want to give him a few hours a week. We want to give him a few dollars a week. We want to tip our hat to him. He doesn't want any of that. He wants you. And Joseph gave himself to God that first Christmas. To a God who keeps promises and does miracles and uses people just like you and me to do it. I wonder if the Lord is saying something to you this morning. He is, you know. I wonder if you're willing to do what he's saying to you. I wonder if you're willing to trust him. Because you don't think you can't figure out how he's going to do it. His ways are not our ways, the Bible says. You try to figure out God, he won't be God. Our God is so great, he can't be figured out. That's what makes him God. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.